Let's start talking about the preseason in general and what we can learn from it. I think this is a good rule of thumb. The later in the preseason it gets, the more important it is. So, obviously, the reason for that is more starters play. And thus, it's more indicative of the team that's going to be on the field for opening game. Some teams like the Rams don't play a lot of players in any games that are starters. Thus, you take that those games with less significance. Now, one of the things we'll be looking at, and we'll be doing it right here on Straight Out of Vegas, is the teams that don't play their starters a extreme amount, uh, meaning they rest them extremely. All right? They don't play at all, maybe, or just a little bit. How do those teams do week one? Because the theory is, at least at the beginning of the game, there's going to be some rust. If there's not, why is anyone playing in the preseason? If there's no effect of not playing, why would anyone play? Because there are injury risks. Well, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Bill Parcells back in the day, they believed that there was a lot to be gained from the preseason. And as I often state, it doesn't make any sense to me that Bill Belichick is saying the first month of the regular season is like an extended training camp and he's still trying to figure out his best players and and, and how to install the offense or whatever is going on that given year. The, the idea that it takes all the way to October for him to feel comfortable with that. But then on the other hand, you got teams that say, oh, we don't need any of this time. Now, obviously, these teams are doing some things with their time. It's not like they're you know playing video games. But if they're not game I don't know if game planning is the right word. If they're not focused on the games, they're not playing extra hard, they're not tackling in practice. I mean just think about tackling. Um, kind of a basic element of football and think about how bad even at the NFL level tackling is today compared to t- even 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And you know Old timer? Well, no, it's it, it, because so many things are better about the game today. You've got the idea of just the ability of to pass the football. I mean, go look at Joe Namath's stats, Terry Bradshaw's stats. These are guys that literally, uh, you know, some years would complete fifty-two percent of their passes. It's a different game now. Obviously, those guys were throwing downfield more. And you can't just say, oh, they were that bad. I mean, how would they do today? You know, quite frankly, most of them wouldn't do as well. And the reason being, they didn't have all of the practice and the prep that that the seven-on-sevens and the quarterback coaches in high school, like literally, you know, go spend two weeks and hire a private coach, go to a camp. Hey, it's all great. And it's, it's helping the quality of the game. But Terry Bradshaw didn't have that, Joe Namath, et cetera. Now, how would they have done with that? better right so uh, you know always those era conversations are, are a challenge but what we know for sure is tackling is worse and throwing the football is better today than in years past so what I would be looking to do the first week of the regular season I'll be doing it and I'll be explaining it is let's look at the teams that don't tackle very much Let's look at the teams that didn't play hard in the preseason. And when I say tackle very much, I mean in practice. And let's look to play either against them in week one or look to play the over on the total. Because, hey, 
if they know they're not tackling well or the defense isn't ready, what happens? They tend to game plan more aggressively. It's not a coincidence that teams with the great defenses often have not great offenses. It's because they don't ask the offense oftentimes to do a ton. And thus, they don't have to and they don't do it. Where if you know you got to put up 31 to be competitive, you're going to take more chances, go for more fourth downs, not throw. You know, a lot of the conservativeness, and this is something that Kirk Cousins gets a lot of heat for, is it's third and nine, okay? And he has two passes Cousins could throw. And any quarterback can face this. Cousins, though, has uh, probably been the most egregious in doing what I'm going to explain here in a sec, which is... He's got a pass that's 12 yards, so it's past the first down, and it's a tough pass, though, tough. He's got a shorter pass for seven yards, and just maybe, maybe he can break one tackle the receiver and get a first down. Well, Cousins throws short, and you know what? In success rate, which is a stat people tend to care about, but not everybody, it would be a lack of success. Going on third down, a successful play is whatever you need for a first down. So if it's third and 19, you get 18 yards, it's not a successful play. It's not successful. It's logical, right? Now, with fourth down, going for it and all that these days, you got to wonder what happens if you get a, a vast majority of the yards. Shouldn't you get some credit? But as of now, no. So Cousins is going to get a unsuccessful in that regard. But his stats are going to be completion, seven yards. So what? His completion percentage goes up. His, uh, you know, all efficiencies go up other than those that account for, well, what's the expectation or, or what is the requirement to have a successful play? And the better quarterbacks, the Tom Brady's, et cetera, are going to throw that 12-yard pass. It might be completed a lot less, but it's going to get the first down a lot more. And that's, that's the way stats cannot be necessarily correlated to wins. Another example is Aaron Rodgers, and A.J. Hoffman joins, is Aaron Rodgers is an example of a guy who has become, and listen, he's won two MVPs. Let's give the guy credit. I mean, you can't do better than that as you approach 40, winning two MVPs, especially considering he had like three or even you could make the case four years that were not spectacular before that. And it felt like he was reaching the end of the road. And now having two MVP seasons in a row at his age is amazing. All that said, he's renowned for, okay, you're down 17. Oh, wow. All right, doesn't happen often, but it happens to everyone. There's seven minutes left, and you've got to throw some 40-yard passes. Dink and dunk is not going to work because, yeah, you might get one touchdown. You might even get two touchdowns, but you're not going to win the game that way. But the stats look a lot better if you throw 160 yards onto your stats, two long drives that they're pretty much giving you in a prevent, and then you lose by three. You might remember, AJ, the Philadelphia Eagles and McNabb had a similar situation against the Patriots, and they had, like, what, a seven-minute drive in that Super Bowl? I believe so, yeah. And they ended up getting the touchdown. The stats looked good, but the very act of scoring that touchdown made it almost impossible for them to win the game. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers, it's a lot of it's masked by his team's success. His team hasn't been down too many too many times, and when they do, it's like well, oh, well, it's well, one well, of their well. three losses. Yeah, but hold on a second. Yeah, 
and let's give a lot of credit here. When you go 13 and 3, 13 and 3, and 14 and 3, you've had an amazing start to your career as a coach. You've had an amazing last act, at least a part of the last act of your career, if you're Rodgers, no doubt. But over the course of his career, he's been down by significant points enough where sure. the, there's been enough analysis done. Is and, and, and people inside the Green Bay program that know him, know the team well, it's a known thing that he, he values his interception total being low, Aaron Rodgers does, in a way that's beyond what it should be valued. Because once again, here's an example. Oh, look. And, and the irony is when there's a Hail Mary that the game's on the line, Rodgers might be the best Hail Mary thrower in the history of the game. And you might say, well, how do you do it that well? Well, one, you got to get it into the end zone, right? Can't throw it left, can't throw it right, can't throw it too deep or too short, short most of the time. But two, he has such a great arm, he skies the ball so high that it comes down in the end zone from above so it's a lot think of a jump shot right if you have an arc on the jump shot it's a lot easier to go in that hoop than if you shoot a line drive jump shot he has the sure. ability to go so high with it that he catch it they, they catch an inordinate number the Packers have of Hail Marys when he throws them but a lot of times if he if it's not that important he doesn't want to put an interception so it accidentally goes out of bounds or he ends up throwing a dump off pass even though it was supposed to be a Hail Mary Kirk Cousins gets more indictment because of these things, but Rodgers certainly meets the criteria of them. Yeah, and if Kirk, if Aaron Rodgers is throwing a, a Hail Mary down seven and actually has a chance to win the game, maybe he takes more risk, but down ten, I think that's sort of been the story of him is, okay, lose it by three, lose it by ten, who cares? I'm, wor- I'm worried more about adding another interception to my tally. And, and you're talking about whom in this case? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and I think Kirk Cousins even more so in a way that hurts his team even more because there's those little decisions. And that's why if all you look at is stats, and I'm a stats guy, but the stats are not perfect and they can be deceiving. And they can't be deceiving just when they go against you. That's unfair. But if you are honest with yourself, there's times the stats don't tell the whole story. 